Hi, and welcome to the HeartSeed Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goldstein, and we're talking to inspiring people about heart-opening, soul-enlivening, body-enhancing practices intended to help us cultivate health and enhance our lives. Oh, the seeds we sow must break open in order to grow, shed their skin, allow light to breathe in, shed their Today we're talking skin, with Melissa Michaels. Melissa is the founder and director of SomaSource Educational Programs, Surfing the Creative, International Rites of, Program, of Passage Programs, and Golden Bridge, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving and empowering the lives of young people through rites of passage, mentoring, and community support. Melissa creates movement-based, cross-cultural educational opportunities focusing on the potential that is available at major life thresholds. Mapping the journey from trauma to dynamic well-being, her work utilizes the expressive and social arts to establish body and heart as resources for authentic expression. Rooted in rhythm and fueled by breath, this work inspires the sacred union between spirit, flesh, psyche, and deed. Melissa is a social artist, dancing and dedicated to our collective renewal through the liberation of the creative spirit. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us today. It is such an honor to have you here on the show and have the opportunity to connect. I'm looking forward to being with you, Noah. Thank Mm. you so much for inviting me Mm. to be here with you. You're very welcome. Um, So Rachel and I have been in your dancing community for several years now. Rachel is now on um, the Movement Mass and Golden Bridge support team, and you've served as an incredible inspiration and mentor to her. And so we're really appreciative for for you, both on a personal level and 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 for what you bring to the collective. And you've written an incredible book, which I've been reading, and I, so I already kind of know the much of the answer to my first question, which <laughs> is if you could share a little bit about how you came to this work and maybe weaving into that, what it actually is that you do in your words. All right. So, uh, I was like so many Western youth, a disembodied, fast moving, lost, hungry, soul who um, didn't have a rudder and I was looking in a lot of the wrong places for help. I always had a connection to the mystical and some of that was that was the only place I could find solace. There had been significant violence and trauma in my early years and so I shot right out of this body into connection with something bigger than myself. So I was kind of tethered to um, the possibility of magic. And um, that was helpful, actually. And many serendipitous things happened that eventually led me to sitting on a street corner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when one of my first great mentors, 
was coming to town and I had the opportunity to attend her workshop and that was Gabrielle Roth. I saw a picture of her when I was sitting on that street corner. Anyway, I attended that workshop and something lit up in me that was um, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I'd sat in 12-step meetings. I was in OA at that point and Al-Anon and I had traveled overseas and worked with people from different cultures and, you know, been to mountaintops in the woods and, and really had many opportunities for experiencing something bigger than myself. But the dance also gave me a place to really go into the depths of my own suffering mm. and eventually wake into the majesty of my own being. And I fell in love. You know, I fell in love with this being who uh, I put a lot of mother stuff on uh, as we do sometimes with our teachers, we mm -hmm. transfer all sorts of things. But I also fell in love with what was moving in me and how I could, I finally found a way to stay present with the depths of my angst and the um, ever expanding landscape of my own creativity. Mm. And there was no turning that channel off once I turned, once I clicked onto it. Mm -hmm. And I've really been dancing and dancing as a prayer for my own healing, for the healing of my people, for l the wider circles, ever widening circles, because the more one gets rooted in the body and he does one's own healing, the more expansive our reach can be. So um, I'm both, I'm deeply tethered within now and that allows me to um, reach out and embrace more and more of the suffering and the brilliance of the people around me. So the dance has been a place of extraordinary prayer. It's been a doorway to, like I've already said, to going into my body, this sacred land where I had no concept that there was anything sacred going on. It was really, it was massive disconnect and disdain, to be honest. Mm. And so to be able to fall in relationship and ultimately in love mm. <laughs> with the whole, the whole thing, you know, whatever my body's doing and going through from incredible pleasure to incredible discomfort. And that discomfort can be catalyzed from sickness. And as you know, I've been through cancer and we'll speak about that, I'm sure. But also, you know, discomfort from feeling the suffering of my own biography, but now more and more just the people around me. And so through the dance, I've had this way of staying connected to what's so that's messy. And often people want to turn away from the dance has been a way for me to lean into and explore both inwardly and interpersonally, uh, these complex realities, yeah. um, on earth and in the body, uh, this fractal of earth. The dance has also been, as I touched on, a place for me to just, and all of us, to find our true nature, our soulfulness, and the subtle, subtle nuances of that. And so for me, it's been this ever-expanding landscape where I just keep growing and not only finding like the seat of my soul, but being able to manifest it because through the body, through movement, the will gets engaged. And so often we have these huge ahas. Ah, that's what I'm going to do. But we don't have the heart and the will, the 
to really pull it off. And there's something about finding the aha right in the in the blood and in the bones and in the cells that something stirs deep enough that one can actually bring it into form literally step by step. I'll say a couple more things about the yeah. dance. Um, the dance, of course, has been a place for me to open to my own natural rhythms and my own connection with the natural world. You know, you dance fire and one can ponder fire and s look at it and be with it and smell it and um, watch the many forms that it takes. But to actually find that heat in one's body and learn how to work with it. And the same thing with our fluid nature or our breath and the very um, density of matter all the elements has been just a way for me to come into profound and intimate relationship with nature, mm. my own nature and the reflection of that, uh, the mutual reflection of that between the outer and the inner. And then of course, another gift that the dance brings is it's this place where one can meet the mirror of oneself in engagement with the other. And there's been a lot of deep, complex, beautiful work on the dance floor in healing all our relations uh, with the earth, with the spirit, with our souls, with each other, and the falling in love, and then the, the work of how do we actually communicate, and how do we sustain that, and how do we deal with the incredible inequities between uh, my reality and the reality of another human being. And so the dance has been a place where we've been able to move out of the reptilian conversations and move into um, really love-infused but uh, psycho-spiritually sound uh, interactions. And to me, that's like still a frontier, as is all of the above, P.S., but that's a real frontier for all of us right now. Yeah. And to start with the dance is just a powerful way of, of hosting these conversations with some prayer that we're actually going to come out of it connected versus just reenacting trauma again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, um, that was, yeah, I, I think that if there's two things that I have stood out to me as the most important threads in in the healing work that I do um, with other people and and within myself is one has been embodiment and bringing all of the intellectual ideas and and just creating a relationship with the body with the interior experience um, and then the other has been turning towards pain discomfort er, er, and just everything in and and I hear you speaking to both of those things and that's been my experience with the dance is that there's a way that being in movement and having the like greater context of some background music of of if it's with music of allows for 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 the the movement of the experience instead of it getting stuck instead of it being stagnant there's this this beautiful living quality to it. I love what you're speaking to because it really actually speaks of the dance, not in some generic concept, but it starts to bring it down to earth. Uh -huh. So thank you for that, Noah. And I, I want to say that movement without consciousness um, is not necessarily healing. I mean, it can be. Right. 
But when we actually bring our consciousness to it, something else can happen. And I was very blessed to not only be growing up in the field of Gabrielle Roth's work, but also when Peter Levine's work was just starting to come in, everybody was experimenting with his concepts right here in Boulder. Mm -hmm. And I was just this young person really ready for help. And so I got to be on the tables of a lot of these people who were like learning about how do you track sensation. And so I really got to study and make that as integral part of my practice as any movement or any rhythm ever will be. And so to be able to move our body and track the subtlety of how energy is moving through that body, both as a way of staying present with what's dysregulated and seek and seeking a way to sequence through to um, peace, but also as a way of um, expanding what is pleasurable so that we can um, amplify the life force as it is moving through us. So this whole idea of movement and like you do in, in um, acupuncture, it's like I often talk about the work is like we're putting acupuncture needles in parts of our psyche and in our body yeah. and then the energy moves once you touch something. Right. So we're definitely like opening channels so energy can move and the dance helps with that. But we're also befriending that landscape um, so that energy can move. And I often liken it to a, a, a crying child. If we ignore that child, chances are the tear, this crying will get louder and more demanding unless tragically, they've already learned to collapse and go quiet. But if we actually pay attention to what's screaming in our body, like that child, there will be a sense of I'm being met. Mm -hmm. And something can start to shift and move. So to throw our bodies around in the dance is cool. But it's not my scene. Uh It's like, how can I be so connected to what's happening so that I can follow that current and allow it to, to lead me? And it's, it's a constant, um, intimate dance, intimate exchange of the energy moving, me moving to move the energy, the energy, me, okay, me moving to move the energy and the energy moving to move me. Yeah. And it's one and the same ultimately. Right. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. Um, and I hope that, I mean, I certainly have a container and context to to receive all of this i really hope that this is landing for our listeners in a way that you know they're actually feeling what's going on in their body as they're listening and is it exciting is it confusing what does that feel like and um yeah well maybe we just take a minute here you and i noah okay ah <sighs> we all do this if we're listening whether you're driving or sitting in a sofa somewhere soft or um who knows where you're listening to this, but to just take a moment and use your senses to orient into where you are. Perhaps it's letting your hands touch the fabric of the seat you're sitting on or taking a a, a sniff and just smelling the wood fire or the the flagrance of a... Well, we're not having flowers right now at this time of year. Who knows what you're smelling? Maybe an oil on your skin slow things down and notice what's visually around you. I often really find it's very helpful to get into my body by noticing what's beautiful. Let's my body settle down. Tasting the remnants of our afternoon tea or morning breakfast on our lips. 
And of course, hearing the sound of our own breath, my breath, and the voices of Noah and I. And that's moving from the periphery, from the outer to the inner. Sometimes we need to start there. And then if you're willing, dear listeners, to maybe put your hand somewhere on your body, on your throat, on your heart, on your legs, just feel what it's like inside when you're contacted. Is there a tightness in your jaw you notice when you actually make contact with your mm. cheeks? A little beat, boom, boom. You can feel it in your heart. Maybe saliva or tingling somewhere. I feel tingling on the soles of my feet just by giving myself a moment to drop in, literally. And then before we go on in our conversation, let's all take a deep breath and just watch our ribcades expand. Notice how they expand. And contract. That's actually where the dance begins, right there. To let our breath fill and to just maybe, um, if you're feeling shy, you can it'd be very subtle or maybe you're alone in your room somewhere, just to let the rest of your body move with that breath. Maybe your arms fill and expand or your hips somehow move with that down your spine. Maybe a little yawn with your mouth. And to just one time let your breath fill and your body open. And then your body out breath. And let your body come back right to your center. And so as Noah and I are continuing to talk, let's just do this. Let's just stay with our breath and keep coming back to our center and noticing I can't follow what they're saying, but I notice <laughs> I notice that I feel warm inside or I'm sweating or um, I got to get my pen out and I'm actually going to start writing. <laughs> you know, whatever's happening, stay with yourself and and let this be a conversation from all the way from the depths of all of our beings through our bodies, our hearts to our minds and ultimately in the union, accessing our souls so that we can go forward as soul-centric, creative humans on Earth. Mm. Thanks, Noah. Thank you, Melissa. That was that was that certainly helped me feel a little bit more grounded and settled. And um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good example of where it starts and for people who are less familiar with this type of work or with what we mean by dance and with what we mean by movement and what we mean by experiencing our bodies, that's exactly what we mean. And, um, and that's something that we can all do in a minute or two minutes at any point in the day before we get home and confront our families after a day at work or in the morning when we first wake up or at the end of the day, there's just any pocket of time to just do a little like body check-in. It just makes a big difference in terms of our sense of awareness of what is living inside of us and moving through us in any given moment. So thank you. It's really true. I used to, as a mom, I was, I, I raised my children by myself and amazing, beautiful daughters. And there were times I'd be like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I would go into the bathroom and I would just like dance and shake it all out. Mm. And 
shake it out a little bit more and take a deep breath in and then walk out. It's like, okay, children, what would you like in your sandwich? But if I hadn't taken those two minutes or oh, yeah. one minute, I don't know if I would have been so polite in how I asked them <laughs> what they needed next. And, you know, this is not about some fancy dance floor and some fancy outfit. This is about, as Gabrielle Roth used to say, survival art. And so I'm all about dancing through it all and getting dropping in through every ounce of what's showing up. And um, I remember when my partner drowned in the ocean many years ago, Steve saying to Spirit, all right, I am willing to stay so connected to this experience. And it was very, very deep and uncomfortable. And the grief was seemed like it would never end. I said, but can you help me get through this as efficiently as possible? Mm. <laughs> I was like having this yeah. negotiation with the divine. And I just remember this voice saying, all you have to do is tether yourself to your body. And like I would sleep and tears would pop out of my eyes while I was sleeping. But there was some way I just kept coming back to being so not just in the emotion, but in the sensation and then moving the emotion through the body in a rooted way. And, you know, there's a, you know, there'll always be a tear down my eye, but I've been able to move forward in, um, in a really beautiful way through, through that intention and discipline, honestly. When there's something that is arising in my awareness for the first time and hearing you share that which is that when we experience our bodies in as part of experiencing the emotion when we stay in there's a a way in which there's not the same level of identification with it totally the it's supposed to becoming like i am sad it's we're actually able to experience oh sadness is in me and moving through me or and maybe it's going to stay here for a while maybe it's going to be days or weeks or months in and out but but it's not me it's not what i am and having even just that little bit of distance from identifying with the experience is huge and and but what's important is that we're not we're not just disidentifying and disconnecting from the experience where they, there's an element of witnessing but also experiencing it's beautiful what you're saying now it's like i think like all spiritual practices aim for that awareness that i am not any of it right n- including this body yeah but they it is said that the body is the doorway to the soul and if we can just keep getting connected to that sp- part of ourselves that is ourselves our true selves the body dwells in the soul the soul dwells in the body if we can just keep coming back home to that then we don't take as much personally Mm. and we also realize that it's our responsibility to meet the many shades of how our soul is expressing itself and not get stuck anywhere you know it's like i am not my sadness. I am not, this sadness is not me. Therefore, I have a job to be with it so deeply so that it can change me, widen me, and I can get back to that more open space of me Mm. or get forward to it. Mm -hmm. I want to, I feel like this would be a moment to just talk a little bit about the cancer journey because that's such a relevant part of this conversation. So I don't know what you want to go with it, but I just something is coming through just to say like because I had been practicing so deeply so 
steadfastly and with such devotion for so many decades. When late-stage ovarian cancer came knocking at my door, I had, um, I had a spaciousness and a freedom that was really a gift in meeting the extreme uh, threshold that I was asked to navigate through. And I share that because it really doesn't matter what's one's practice, but if one has a way of, of consistently coming back to the body and knowing how to be in this vehicle through all kinds of changes, when complex life meets us, we have that ground. And so I was able to <laughs> um, stay really with myself through um, surgeries, surgery one, and but mostly the place where it was really tested was through extreme high levels chemotherapy. I had intraperitoneal and IV, so it went straight into my gut yeah. and into my blood system. Yeah. And you know, you have it, it's a very unique treatment, and the kind of pain, the searing that I experienced in my belly, you know, it really could have blown me out of the universe. It was so intense, but I was able to stay so close in relationship with it that I was able to help unwind it just as we do with trauma. And there were times that I would just have to also not just get still and be with the sensations, but move into mo dance. Yeah. But it was a particular kind of dance. <laughs> it was a lot of shaking. Yeah. And I would just take that charge and allow it to discharge through movement. But my body knew how to do it. It wasn't like, ooh, what should I do here? My body naturally knew what to do with that much um, overstimulus in its system. And so the practice allowed me to meet this and keep moving through it and keep staying grounded through it and also able to articulate to myself and the people around me what was going on so that I could literally adjust my chemotherapy concentration and negotiate that and, um, you know, just know what I needed at every little moment. And it was just helpful to have that. The other thing that was helpful and all these years of practice in the dance was, you know, we don't know when we come to these thresholds where it's leading. I, I tethered myself to life. I was just, I keep using that word, but it was yeah. like, I hooked my umbilicus to life, man. I was mm. like, this, this, that's what I'm doing. And as somebody who has worked with young people in the threshold of adolescence and worked at the thresholds of birth and, and death, I know that unless it is death itself, we must orient towards life. So I had so mm. much um, grounded will and um, capacity to just like, see death all around and focus on the life force moving through me. Wow. Even if at times it was, it was dim or hardly even, Oh, where is that? But there was some way I could just really keep orienting towards that. And of course, um, death, the cancer was the energy of the cancer was pretty disgusting straight up. I didn't like it. I don't want anything to do with it. I was more than happy to have that removed. Mm -hmm. And, the, the spirit of death was quite beautiful, and I could understand how people end up having to surrender to that or making that choice, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm not sure how much choice we have. It depends on where you are on the journey right. um, when you are, one is diagnosed, and there's a thousand things that contribute to that, but I, I felt the spirit of death, and I was like, You're, I get it, but right now, 
that's not mine. And I really, and I just like was really disciplined with my mind around that. And I wasn't willing to go there. (laughs) And at the same time, I felt, and this is going to be where I'm going to go with the body thing. At the same time, I felt so much love pouring in towards me because I really put out a call. I have, I, I don't usually ask the way I did on this one. I was like, everybody, please come. Let's gather our prayers. And I felt so graced by people from so many religions, so many walks of life, so many ages and stages and cultures. And, and, and I, I was able to receive that and feel Mm. that in my body and bathe in that, in that light, in that love, in that resilience, in that prayer for um, my intentions to be actualized and the good medicine to do its work. And obviously I I did a lot of complimentary care. Let's be super clear on Mm. that and a lot of art. Um, Mm. But the beautiful thing about these practices is not only are they survival tools, but they allow us to open into um, the most exquisite capacity to experience life. And when I came out of this particular threshold, you know, the smell of a flower, the sight of a smile, Mm. you know, the passing of the clouds over my sky was so profoundly beautiful to me, every bite. You know, we get numb to that. And these practices that we're talking about allow us to really come into what it is to be a human being and to be ever awakening in in, um, our sensitivity and not a sensitivity that gets um, annihilated by life, but a sensitivity that gets ever more tuned. Mm. So. Mm. That, I mean... I've noticed myself gripping ever so tightly to my microphone, like holding on, holding on (laughs) as I was listening. And and once I noticed that I was able to soften and, and I mean, I just feel so touched, um, and hearing that. And, um, I'm curious after sharing that, what on, what would you, what would you want to, recommend or encourage or invite someone who's either on the journey with cancer right now or went through it but it was a long time ago or has a friend who yeah well um first thing is somebody brilliantly was placed on my path the first day I went to the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center a woman who'd been a student of mine she looked me in the eye and she said you didn't create this Mm. and it was like Thank you. Because there's so much new age distorted thinking out there. Mm -hmm. And I love thinking cosmically for sure. But we are living in a far more complex, toxic, mysterious universe than all that. And yes, I do have my own mythology, mythos about why I have navigated my way through ovarian cancer based on a history of abuse and the amount of work I've done with women in their wombs and and also just um, I feel like I can be a, a, a uh, an example now of ways in which we can navigate through this terrain so I've made my own sense out of it yeah but the first bit is please 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 dear people don't put it on each other and don't put it on yourself uh-huh. let's be kind to ourselves and anybody navigating through that or any kind of um, 
crisis, a life crisis like that needs and deserves, and I'm very careful about the word deserve, but in this case for sure, extraordinary kindness, extraordinary um, <sighs> protection and nourishment and space and respect and agency. My beautiful husband, who knew something about this landscape, having navigated it with his beloved first wife, mm. looked at me on this diagnosis and said to me, you will decide your pathway through. And it was just like, thank you. Mm. And we are so inundated with so much information about what you should do and what the statistics are and you won't survive and here's what you... And it's like, we do need to take that in. And it's a very intense process of discernment. What is really our path? But my path is nobody else's path. And everybody has the right to say yes or to say no or to say more or to say less. And, um, and you know, sometimes it moves really fast, which it did for me. And I had to do some quick footwork, which I'm really good at, you know, getting second opinions and getting my community rallied and, you know, my family right here. But whatever that person needs whenever possible to give it to them, mm. you know, it's like, if it's quiet, okay. If it's lots of people, okay. It's one is not more right than the other. The other thing is movement. Like truly the research is saying <laughs> now that at the big heavy duty, hard hitting cancer centers, they're saying, get moving. And, um, so, you know, I think we know now that circulation helps decrease inflammation and that's critical to the sur our survivorship yeah. period on the planet, whether we have to navigate through cancer or not. I'm also a huge fan and I'm speaking to another doctor <laughs> yeah. of a different kind yeah. who um, I'm, I'm really into complementary care and I had acupuncture a lot. I was very blessed. I'm very um, abundantly supported and privileged to have access to the kind of healthcare I mm -hmm. did. But, you know, acupuncture and nature and herbs and those sorts of things, like I said earlier, are, are just really important mm -hmm. to the um, whole process, if at all possible. And um, then the other piece, I, two other pieces I want to say is what we do with our mind is relevant. And I, I made a film that I'm yeah. happy to share with people called Twisted Gift it's really um, just a really important part of me completing this journey was making that film and sharing my story. And one of the lines in the film is we do not let our minds wander. And I feel like with a lot of discipline, I just needed to not let my mind wander. Mm. Like fear came in, great, have a nice day. And I wasn't like in denial. I was actually going to focus my attention on something else I needed to do. Or other people's fear came in. Or, you know what does all this mean? Does this, you know, it's just like, it's like you take one step at a time, Melissa, you meet what's right in front of you and what's happening now. And you keep orienting towards life. And that's what I focused my mind on. Wow. And that was helpful. Wow. And I still have to do that. That's part of your question. I mean, I, st you know, it's not like, woohoo. Right. Um, there's statistics <laughs> out there about people where I am on the journey too, uh -huh. which is not even three years out. But I don't pay attention much to that. I hear it. I understand it. I respect it. <laughs> I, 
and I'm really engaged in life and yeah. I choose to be. Great. I will definitely put um, a link to the Twisted Gift video, which is absolutely beautiful, um, in the show notes so that people can access it. And actually, Henna, who helped produce it or make it, uh, lives up the street. And It's true. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Noah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That was, yeah, such a beautiful breathtaking in a good kind of way um experience to watch that and be with it and it's so um grateful for your willingness and openness and vulnerability to share your process and experiences yeah i think that would be maybe one more thing i'd say and it ties into all of this is um the the, i don't think there's anything more beautiful than being who we really are Mm. and lord knows we've all tried you know i've i'm I grew up in this culture and whatever this culture is, <laughs> but I've grown up with mass media trying to tell me that I'm don't look right and, and I need to change pretty much everything. And I, I certainly tried on all those uh, pathways to perfection and, and they didn't do anything except rob me of my life force. Mm. And going through cancer, as I say in the film, and we all know, it changes you. And... Um, to be able to go through all of our life and let ourselves be changed by the challenges and the blessings and um, to find, to stand in the beauty and the grace of that allows us to stay in our bodies versus uh, try and hurt them, honestly, to make them something different because we're afraid of growing old. And you know, I literally, my body really changed through this cancer mm-hmm. and it's actually really strong right now, but you know, you know, I have gray hair now and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fun. I love it actually. But at first it was like, okay. <laughs> and you know, my skin is really different and it's like, this is what is. Uh-huh. And as a, I, it's easy to say that. And I understand how we all really want to win at the game of beauty, whatever the standards are at uh-huh. that given moment in that given culture. But perhaps we can start to consider what are healthy social norms. And when we look at our children, we realize we actually must because mm. for them it is so destructive to get swallowed by the beast of um, trying to be something they're not. Right. Thank you for that message as well. That's a really, really important one and um, something that I've been pondering in my own ways for my own reasons uh, recently, and so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I I want to go somewhere, and I also want to honor where we've just been. So let's just take a deep breath. Okay. What were you going to say? Nothing's precious. We can keep moving. Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate your sensitivity, but I'm good. I can jump. Okay. Um, Well, so there's one thing that I want to make sure we touch on, um, and that is movement mass and surfing the creative and what they are now. And... um, I f- my impression is that there are a lot of people, myself included, um, who are at this place in their life where they're like, yes, like I, I want to make this world into what it can be. I want to be a part of, of shifting our culture, of 
creating more health, of healing the earth, of making all of these changes that we really need to be making in order to keep this planet alive and, and keep our culture alive. And, um, and I think what you've created is incredible and, and impacts so many people so beautifully. And I know it also took you a really long time that it wasn't like you snapped your fingers one day and, um, and all of a sudden you had hundreds of people showing up every Sunday to dance and, you know, tons of people coming from all over the world for these week-long immersives. And so I'm curious what you would, what you have to say, what you have to share, what you have to offer to someone who is maybe, you know, at the beginning of that journey of, of bringing their gifts into the world and creating things um, that are going to help continue the work that you've done and, and grow it and yeah mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure I totally know where you are wanting to go but I have one thing I want to say which okay. is I am the generation between the Lone Rangers the Gabrielle Ross the Anna Halperins the Emily Conrads in terms of the somatics mm -hmm. and and many others um and you all, which mm -hmm. is all about we're going together. Yeah. And so I've been sort of in a dance of my trip, our trip, my trip, our trip. But we can't go anywhere without each other now. And it's all about how do we f build bridges between us and move as collective um, forces for change for good and so to me it's like where is their soul resonance and what are we trying to do together and let's get to it okay <laughs> yeah and I don't know if that even points in the direction of where you were going but that occurs to me to say and I know that everybody there is an individuating process that we have to go through as we move through adolescence into young adulthood and we find our unique medicine and our particular flavor of service and our as Bill Plotkin says, our delivery system. Mm -hmm. And like you and your beautiful wife, here you are, you've two different delivery systems. They're so complementary. Mm -hmm. And how do you create a healing space for people to come? and transform their lives that draws upon both of your expertise just as a starting point start right, right where we are yeah and then go from there yeah and n to not um put the brakes on but also not to try and accelerate till it's time and uh -huh. um you know it's it's like okay we're ready let's go and then sometimes people want to go faster than actually the system can handle and yeah. and and there's something about being willing to be leaders and um, pacing is critical if we're going to go forward and sustain something. And I know in my work, sometimes people have wanted things to be different faster. And I've had, a, especially working with adolescents and emerging adults, a lot of push. Mm -hmm. um, just like a baby's foot on the back of the mother's uterine wall, mm -hmm. it's like there's a push. Mm -hmm. And I've sometimes had to say no and, and slow down and... I really trust that your readiness and my readiness are symbiotically related. Mm. And mm. we're in a go time now within Golden Bridge, <laughs> big time. But we weren't always, and people didn't always like that. So there's something about right timing and really um, going with the energy, very similar to what we start with in our own bodies. It's mm. 
follow the energy. Mm. It's interesting. Um, I mean, I think that that speaks to it all. And I think, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed, even just in the past five years of my life, and maybe it has to do with having kids, it probably does, because now that I realize it, Hazel's five years old, um, is a shift in terms of eagerness of, it, of everything, like wanting it to happen now and right away and wanting to, you know, create and create and create versus a like recognition of there's, that's great and there's an unfolding process and things just have to have unfold at the, at the pace and, and the rate that you can. And it's funny that you referenced, you know, Bill Plotkin because I think about that. He, he calls it the, um, I think the artisan in the grow in the orchard in the wild orchard. Exactly. And, um, just thinking of it as like the artisans in the orchards and it's like that shift from like me to we and how how we're all kind of co-creating and and I appreciate that um you know what you said there that there's this piece that um people in my generation we've witnessed it happening the, the change movements happening in these ways of of an individual you know with the flag or the staff or whatever it is kind of leading and and that's the model that we have and we're now kind of trying to create this new model where we're we're kind of all moving together and how what does leadership look like in this new cycle of unfolding um in terms of having many leaders and being able to step back and being able to step in and i mean you do that obviously we all do that um in different contexts and containers, but I don't hope this is relevant to the listeners, but. Well, what I hear you speaking to is actually pretty critical, that if we really know our place, then when it's our turn to step forward, we really must. And if we're devoted to uh, creating inclusive communities, then when somebody else, and I'm learning this, this is my growth, because I have a, I started with a single mother mentality, mm. and I was really sort of the first person doing anything like this work way out in the middle of Colorado, and it wasn't happening here; it was happening on the coasts. So I was really, you know, a lone person with this. Um, but to let other people to make to make it a priority to have as many voices that we can included in the conversation, and um, you know, there's, a, there's again, it, there's right timing, and we need to be responsible to the quality of what's being delivered and whether people are really ready. Sometimes we give people positions of power when they're not ready, and then there's a whole shadow that happens there. Mm-hmm. Or we step back from a desire to be inclusive, and it's not quite the right moment. Um, but ultimately, we want to create the full mandala of, of voices mm-hmm. and... and um, we are so privileged to be able to get to know what our original medicine is. And so in our work to create doorways for people from diverse spaces to be able to have that those opportunities too has been a big part of my calling. And um, yeah, that's a, a lot of what Surfing the Creative has become actually. Right, right. that's what I've, I've sort of seen it become. So, Or from what I've heard because I think next year will be maybe my first year surfing the creative 
formally. 2021. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. we're skipping. Yeah. Next year, we're going to graduate our second class of Soma Source practitioners, and then we're going into wow. the programming again. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I want to honor your time and our time and our listeners' time and start to circle things into a close. I'm curious if there's anything else that we haven't touched on that's alive within you mm-hmm. that, okay. I'm just super excited about something. <laughs> I mean, as much as I'm heartbroken about the world, to be quite honest, and how far away from center we've gotten and how uh, how many, as my elder Paul Hill says, social and environmental toxins we're having to meet and transform and ideally interrupt from escalating. I'm just involved. I'm bringing a lot of the work I've been doing. Um, it's harvest time. And mm. one of the projects I'm so super excited about is something called Golden Girls Global that's going to come soon. But we've been doing this work for generations, and we just haven't really been talking about it publicly around the world with girls who are beginning to step off the ideally safe shores of childhood and move into the ever-changing waters of adolescence on their path to becoming woman. Mm. And we've done a lot of teaching around this whole process of welcoming the young person into puberty and then supporting their educational and their initiatory needs as they begin to cycle. Mm. And um, it's been a huge part of my life and my work and my passion and my devotion. And um, so we're building this um, outwardly, what we've been doing quietly, like I said, for years, this network of these leaders who are now, who've come of age in our work, who are now trained in our work and are out there working with girls. And it's four generations deep in South Africa. And we're, wow. The work is happening in, in slowly in Pine Ridge. It's happening in favelas in uh, Brazil. It's happening in, inter- in Baltimore, in Boulder, in South India, and um, in refugee settlements. And we just finished our first film, and we're going to be telling the story of this work through film, and I can't wait to share it with you wow. all. But I'm just deeply devoted to um, starting the work of embodiment, really from how we show up, if we have the gift of parenting, how we show up in our bodies uh-huh. around our children, because uh-huh. we are our children's, as Rahima Baldwin says, we are our children's first teachers, and they learn through modeling. Mm-hmm. And then really giving young people every step of the way opportunities to stay connected rather than to begin to fragment and to catch them in a really strong community-centered way as they move into adolescence and start to leave uh, their center of gravity being home and start to move out into the world. Mm -hmm. And um, we just have a lot of curriculum and leaders emerging doing that work and uh, a woman's, uh, the feminine's capacity to cycle, to, to, to die and be reborn every month is so powerful. And to create something out of nothing is so extraordinary. And I know you know that because you live with all yes. women <laughs> pretty much, not yeah. totally. Um, and I just want to say it's, it's such a part of this work is how do we just honor 
the cycles in our own bodies and devote ourselves to studying them, no matter what gender, no matter how we identify, Mm -hmm. we are cyclic beings. And one great way to just deepen in our own embodiment is to is to track that, respect that, celebrate that, and talk about it. So, yes. um, you know, I know the work has to happen in all genders, and it is. And I just have this particular long history with working with the girls. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And I think, I mean, it's it's really wonderful to to. He- to hear that and I mean even Hazel's only five but once you become a parent and you start to watch things grow and change and notice how fast it happens there is a sense of of okay well what kind of container she's about to she's in her kindergarten year she's going to be going into school next year what kind of container is going to hold her there both in terms of the actual school that she's in in terms of our family system in terms of our community and and on and on and, and knowing that like and we've we have friends now whose you know eldest are reaching into those adolescent years and going through those changes and you know learning from them and being supportive of them and their process with it's just it it's a big important work and it's it's work that it's good to know is is happening um and there's a i think the way the dominant or mainstream culture relates to a lot of these changes and processes and cycles is um, lax in a lot of ways. At least this is how I'll put it. <laughs> and so, for sure, having other forces in the world, other influences in the wor- world that are bringing what is lacking into those changes and cycles and processes is really important. Yeah. So I know we're wrapping and this is a good way to wrap it here, which is just in the same spirit of meeting someone going through cancer or any threshold. Um, One of my deepest prayers is that we really reach out and, and put our arms around the young people, Mm -hmm. whether it's someone serving us food in a restaurant or someone we're an auntie or an uncle to, or our own children, but that we really um, recognize that we have a community responsibility, a collective responsibility to hold the future, mm-hmm. which I know is what you and your generation are dedicated mm-hmm. to. And it's really in the small steps and in the moment to moment exchanges. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to have had this one with you, Noah. Yes. Thank you so much, Melissa, once again. Um, thank you to anyone who's listening to this. If this resonated with you, at all and you can think of one or two or three people who would appreciate enjoy learn from this conversation please feel free to to share it because that's that's how we we make this movement and change happen um one thing that i'm actually really excited about is is stepping into working with fathers and um and supporting some of these themes of embodiment of of connection with the internal world and attunement and um so that's something that's that's coming from over here um there will be show notes which people can find melissa michaels your website is be danced it's golden golden bridge goldenbridge.org goldenbridge.org okay and um so there's a lot of information there about how people can become a part, reach out, connect, uh, learn more. 
Um, is there anything else that you'd want people to know about in terms of connecting with you? Or no, okay. no thank you, Noah. Yeah. It's such a pleasure and 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 an honor. Great. Okay. Thank you all. And um, as always, you can f- learn more about me and the work that I do at um, HeartseedHealth.com. And uh, appreciate your time and listening. Let's keep dancing. All right. Must break open in order to grow. Shed their skin, allow light to breathe in. Shed their skin, allow forth what's 